Welcome to the Journal Hijabi podcast. I'm your host, Sirin, and here we're all about elevating the voices of hijabi women in mainstream media through authentic storytelling. Without further ado, let's begin the episode. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the Journal Hijabi podcast. I'm your host, Sirin. And here, we're all about elevating the voices of hijabi women in mainstream media through authentic storytelling. Today, we have a wonderful guest joining us. Please give a warm welcome to Kira, who embarked on a remarkable journey at the beginning of this year, 2023. Kira is a revert to Islam who started wearing the hijab and describes it among one of her favorite things about herself. What makes Kira's journey even more incredible is the support she received from her Catholic and Christian family, who accepted her decision to revert to Islam. Kira is here with us today to share her hijab story and her incredible journey to Islam. We're thrilled to have Kira as our guest, and we can't wait to delve into her hijab journey and exploration of Islam. So without further ado, let's tune into the episode. Introduce yourself in, in your own words. I'm Kira. I 23 reverted a year ago and started wearing a hijab basically I reverted in August and then I started wearing hijab full-time in January so it was kind of like everyone told me that I was moving very quickly and like my friends who I was like who are also Muslim when I would discuss like that I wanted to start wearing hijab full-time they actually warned me they're like don't push yourself like you don't need to do everything at once um you know you don't need to like force yourself to wear it or any of these things but what was interesting is for me, I know that there's like a lot of discussion and a lot of people do tend to feel like uncomfortable wearing the hijab or they might have some resistance to wearing it. But for me, that was probably one of the easier things. Like I never felt like, I don't know, I was never conflicted about wearing it as soon as I was like reading about it. And as soon as I like put it on and started wearing it more, I, it was like, almost like magic a little bit wow. um, where it's just, it just made things easier. Um, it, and the reasons for why I was doing it really helped me. Um, like obviously I do it for Allah. And so that helped me like be aware of Allah at all times a little bit more. Um, I know like people talk about like hijab as like a physical article of clothing, but it's really also how you carry yourself and how you act as much as what you're wearing. And so by physically wearing like the headscarf, I was able to 
control my actions more because in the back of my head, it's like, okay, well, I'm a physical representation of Islam right now. Everybody who's looking at me in public, they're seeing that I am Muslim right now. So I know that there are certain things that I'm like, you can't catch me around it. You can't catch me doing it. You can't like none of those things. And so that really um, also helped me with my journey with, because I reverted, there's people talk about like haram, halal, and like, as if it's like rules and those sorts of things. Um, but, and it really kind of helped me because it's like, okay, well, one, here's standards that like, as a hijabi, I cannot be seen around. I cannot be seen interacting with and those sorts of things. So already by wearing hijab, it was removing me from situations that I shouldn't have been around in the first place. And then yeah. now it's like, well, I'm, I don't even participate in certain activities and whatnot. Um, I don't want to get too specific. Like, <laughs> the well, yeah, well, no, we're, we're going to get specific. I mean, I think you, you have to have a lot to say about hijab things that are definitely valuable through your lens. And so we can kind of dive into that. So first and foremost, I definitely want to kind of talk about your your background, um, kind of pre-Islam, mm-hmm. um, which I think, you know, is, is essentially is like the gateway maybe to your previous experiences into transitioning into a, a new religion, a new, honestly, person. Because put even like you know, reverting and then having to put on the hijab and then immersing yourself, you know, in in new communities and then also, you know, being accepted by your family. And so, you know, despite being raised, you said Catholic and Baptist, and you reverted to Islam last year, the summer of 2022 in August. And you described it as being this difference in almost everything, when it comes to your mindset and beliefs on things, they kind of flipped almost like a switch. And then you began to see things with clarity. Can you describe that more? Yes. And so actually related to that, I was thinking about it it, um, actually just earlier today, because I was like, I could finally put my finger on what it was that that flip that changed was. And so you know, I was raised Baptist and Catholic and mostly Catholic. When I was growing up, we would alternate churches. One Sunday we'd go to Catholic church. The next Sunday we'd go to Baptist church. And then eventually we just started going to Catholic church. Um, and then eventually my family became like a, um, they call it like Christmas Easter church where you go on Christmas, you go on Easter, but like for the rest of the year, you're not really going. I guess like the equivalent is people who only go to the masjid on Ramadan. Um, so, but the biggest difference and what that switch was that flipped is, I think it's taqwa. I think that's the Arabic word for it, but like the awareness of Allah at all times that was not present before. And it's not really like you're taught, like God's with you all the time. God's like there all the time. And those sorts of things you're taught that in Christianity, but you're taught it in a way where it's like told to you, but you're not, there's nothing for you to really understand that in Christianity. Like you can't, you don't feel it. You don't, I guess, what's the word? You don't like, it's not like they are deep in your heart where like God's around you all the time. God's with you all the time. And I think one, a big part of that is prayer. Um, Even from like just being aware of what time it is at all times so you know if you have prayed on time if you've like hit your prayer if you've um and you have to be aware of like what time it is at all the times at least for me because I'm like okay you know I got it's time right now but I got asked coming up what's what time is that so I can be aware and so I can like make sure I'm not doing anything and can get my prayer like already you are putting like you are refocusing your lens onto making things about God, about Allah in a way that it's not really done in Christianity. In Christianity, it's kind of like, I guess the way you can live your life is you can wake up at whatever time you want and you can kind of do what you want for the most part. I know now this is a difference in different groups of Christianity. Some people are like, 
very strong, like original sin sort of deal. Um, so everyone's kind of bad, but then also there's some groups of Christianity where it's like, well, Jesus died for our sins, putting air quotes, um, <laughs> Jesus died. And so now we're all good as long as you believe in God and you believe in Jesus and those sorts of things. So it doesn't put responsibility on you to be a good person. It, and so that's, I also think is like a big thing is one is like, you are constantly aware of God, of Allah, because you have to be like, there's, I feel like it's really difficult to be Muslim and to do the practices that we're supposed to be doing and not be constantly aware if you're doing it the right way, just by principle, like you, like when I put on hijab, I'm constantly like, why am I wearing hijab because of Allah? So that's a constant reminder praying, constant reminder, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, and also the responsibility of your actions being on yourself and not on Adam or Eve or Jesus or any of that. It's on yourself. And so now you have to be aware of your actions, like down to even stepping into the bathroom with your left foot. Yeah. And those sorts of things. It's it's a higher sense of awareness of God that mm -hmm. almost changes your actions without you even realizing that it's changing your actions. Oh, definitely. I mean, having the hijab, you know, on every time you go out, it's, it's not only like a public service announcement, but it's even like a reminder to you, like you said, like it's it's always just the the remembrance of kind of who you are, the modesty representing essentially you know the the religion although that can feel like sometimes very hard you know to carry or to handle and so really I I, I have it for myself you know as that reminder it makes me a better person and kind of go back to to what you were saying like you know, I didn't even plan on talking about this but when you kind of mentioned the thing about okay well Jesus died for our sins I was actually thinking about that the the other day and I was like, you know, I've came across some people that essentially have a mindset that they are promised heaven, you know, that I don't know if it's Christians. I don't, I don't really know what, what their background is or, or Catholic, but it's like, okay, you know, well, well, Jesus like died for my sins. And so like, I can just like live, live my life. Um, and it's like, well, how do you know that you're promised heaven? Like, how, how, how does that work? If, if you know that when you pass away, you're going to heaven, then it's honestly like, what's the point of living? If you already know what grade you're going to get on the test, if you're already going to get an A, you know, so. And then also what's preventing you from like, like, it, I don't know how to word it because I feel like it might be. So be, being a better out. person really yeah like, like what's, what's making you be a better person and what's stopping you from being a terrible person because with that mindset of and it's it's a huge it's something that i do see with like a lot of christianity and especially with you know current events that are happening right now um i'm seeing it more and more where it's like we're promised heaven. So it doesn't matter what we do because you you think you're in the right. You think you're on the right side automatically and you don't take the time to look at your actions and assess um, like, is this actually good? And I actually kind of have an example about this. So the biggest thing I can think about is like alcohol, right? And Catholic, in Catholicism, like actually we take communion and part of communion is wine, right? Um, so that's just kind of to exemplify that, like drinking is not seen as something negative in Christianity. In fact, it's either seen as neutral or like people just generally really like drinking, right? Obviously, we know in Islam, the alcohol is haram and it's from the devil. Um, but for me, when I'm, t when I was Christian and I was told like alcohol is haram, my was, my brain was like, Why? Like, just generally curious why. But it took all of, like, two seconds of thinking about it to be like, oh, 
this is why it causes this it causes this it causes like all these health issues all these like it changes your actions in so many ways like it takes like two seconds worth of actually thinking about what the problem with alcohol is to be like oh that makes more than like it makes more than total sense why yeah. it's wrong yeah but if you're from the perspective of thinking that you're right about the issue then you're gonna find something wrong with like you're not first of all you're not gonna think about it being bad for you because you're like oh for christians because they're allowed to drink oh i'm allowed to do it so i'm not even gonna think about like the negative consequences of drinking mm-hmm. we're just here to have a good time we're just here to have mentality <laughs> Yeah, you know, good time, not long time, those sorts of things. And so it's like, you're not even thinking about things that are really so detrimental to you, to your health, to your mental well-being, to so many parts of your life, even just in this life, like that's not even talking about like the hereafter. Um, So you just don't even think about it. But then it's so obvious at the same time. But because you're in an environment where you're like, Jesus died for my sins, so I'm going to get into heaven. It doesn't matter what you do. Because you're going to get into heaven and that's what you're told. Yeah. I mean, I wish that I thought that way, but I think it's a, it's a very easy mindset to have. Um, and I think, you know, that's the beauty of Islam is that, you know, we find the beauty in the suffering, the point of suffering. I think that life the point of life is suffering because through that you can become the most human version that you are and you get to like just feel your soul and it, i think you know after that suffering that you go through i think it develops you into a stronger person and a stronger human being to be able to tackle the the hardships of life it's like if you don't suffer then it's like i i don't think you learn you know i learn more from failure than than success and i think our religion is is really surrounded by kind of that ideology of suffering but knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel knowing that you know there's a reason that you suffer you're not just suffering just to be tortured that there's going to be a great reward after it and that's you know, how you're tested. So, I mean, you know, kind of going back to your, your, your personal story, um, to reverting to Islam. So, you know, share with us like the remarkable journey of your reversion to Islam. Take us back to August, 2022, what were the key factors that influenced this significant decision in your life? And how did your family respond to this, to this pivotal moment? So we actually got to go back a little further than August. Oh yeah. Um, Starts before that. (laughs) It does start before that. So like I said, I was raised Baptist and Catholic and, you know, I was going through a really rough period of my time at this point or like really rough period in my life at this point. Um, And like I said, I was raised Catholic. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to like search for God. I'm really going to put in all this effort to like really connect with God. So for me, that was going to church. And at the time, this is what, two years ago now, a year and a half ago, um, Lent, which is like the Catholics, like for Catholicism, it's 30 days before Easter. It's very... It's not the same as Ramadan, but the ideas are the same. You fast. You don't like fast in terms of like complete food and um, water fasting, but you do like give something up and you do fast for that period of time. On Fridays, you can't eat any meat, but you can have fish um, and those sorts of things. So, and then you also like go to church a lot more and it's all leads up to Easter. So it was happened right before Ramadan that year. So I'm going to church. I am like fasting in the Catholic way and doing all these things. And like something's just not sitting right with me. And at the time I had a friend who's Muslim who um, 
So that's important for this later because we're talking about religion. Him and I were talking about religion at the time. Um, but one thing that really stuck with me is one time I went to church and in Catholic church, they have this thing where it's the homily, where you basically, the priest reads the gospel, a story from the gospel, and then he gives his interpretation of that chapter or verses in the Bible, right? So it was the verses that he was talking about were some of like, it was one of my favorite stories, which where it's basically the story of Jesus. Um, someone's coming up to him because there's this adulteress and they're like, we need to stone her. We need to stone her. And Jesus basically says, um, those without sin cast the first stone. Basically, if you are sinless, then yes, you can like attack this woman but all of us have sense, right? But the priest's interpretation of this beautiful story was to repeatedly say, and I'm going to quote the words, see Jesus's face as he's loving you. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with what you just told us about the what story. What does that mean? What do you and, think Yeah, that exactly. Means? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I don't have an explanation for what that means. But that was kind of like the 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 nail in the coffin for Catholicism for me. Um, at the same time, I had been going and I'd been looking at um, the Bible and the Torah and comparing them, specifically the Old Testament, because I knew the Old Testament was supposed to come from the Torah. And I was finding mistranslations. I was finding like changing things so that the meaning would be different. Like there were so many things I was finding. I was like inconsistent between the two, and already. I like history, so I already could like list out some of the ch of the changes that the Bible has undergone, even in recent times. So I'm like, okay, none of this is sitting right with me. It's changed too many times. Like people write write it, um, like we don't have an original Bible text from the time of Jesus. Like there's there's too many things that aren't sitting right with me. Um, so then Ramadan happens, and like I said, I was talking to my friend about religion at this point. So he invites me to go with his family to the masjid for Ramadan. Honestly, I should have just reverted them. <laughs> like I was, I was sold honestly after the first time that I prayed, it was like everything that I had been looking for when I was searching for God. I, all of my answers were questioned the second that I went to sojourn. It, like that was it I was sold completely that's um, beautiful at that point and it's crazy because I had been searching so so hard and it's something that I feel like people who are born Muslim or people who um I guess like people I think feel like this is something that uniquely reverts might understand is searching so hard for God and then him just revealing himself to you in that manner is something that's like unmatched. Um, and it really helps me with like understanding a lot of like the being aware of God and because I know what it's like to be without, not without because God's always there, but to not have God as an active part of my life. I know what it's like to be blind, I guess. And that's like not something that I ever want ever again and so it's like pushes me to strive to be like the best muslim that i can because i know what it's like to be blind and i know what it's like to like be muslim and to see everything and the difference is like unmatched and i don't even think i could like list out every single difference that there is because there's just so many sorry my cat is losing his mind in the background <laughs> it's fine they're a third guest but, um, you know, that's, that's really beautiful to hear. I'm like, I was like at a loss of words. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. You know, that's probably how you felt in the moment. Yeah. Um, so like, what was kind of, describe the, the, those feelings that was, that were kind of like going on in your, in your body. Was it like kind of, and this was August, 2022 or before that no, you went so to the message? this was actually the, the, the Ramadan. Ramadan before August oh, 2022. Ramadan. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I mean, I think that's yeah. the best, you know, time that 
you could see the Muslim community of it like getting to, uh, together and, and kind of the, the festivities. So I think that's maybe also what kind of led you to have those like immense immense feelings of seeing that community and be like oh my god like looking there looking here looking at the people is, is that kind of maybe something that you haven't experienced in your previous religions so i will say this and this is something that like when i say this to people who are not muslim they don't believe me but it's just it's just facts and it's it's the most true thing i could ever say the muslim community is unequivocally the kindest most open-hearted most open like community that you could ever engage with unequivocally like there's no other group that can even compare to like the kindness that I've received from the Muslim community from the open-heartedness I've received from the Muslim community from the understanding from the like like the generosity is unmatched like every like if you were to put a list of like good qualities that you could have I'm positive, like, the Muslim community was, like, they're hitting every mark above and beyond, even, like, the next closest group. I don't even know what the next closest group would be, but... I mean, it's like, one of the fastest growing religions in, in the world, I guess. That's for a reason. Like, yeah. Coincidence. And honestly, like, when people, like, because I've had people, like, ask me questions about Islam because I wear hijab, which is, like, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um when people have a negative perception of Muslims, it tells me right away that they've never actually interacted with Muslims because that's just, it's just like, like all you have to do is like walk into a masjid and you, your heart will fill up with warmth, like straight up. Mm-hmm. And the people, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter man, woman, or child. Like the people are going to be there. They're like, they help you out. I remember when I first started going to the masjid, I was like a deer in headlights sometimes. Cause like I'd go into the masjid and there's all these people and I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like a deer in headlights, but every single time people are coming up to me, they're helping me. They're asking me if I understand, like they are going above and beyond for me, a total stranger, right? So the community does have like a lot to do with it, but I think it's kind of like, of course the community would be like this because of the teachings of the Prophet and what's in the Quran. Oh, definitely. I mean, when you mentioned about like the people that, that usually have false narratives about Islam are the people that like know nothing about it or and I, I kind of laughed in that moment because, you know, living in Texas in a, in a Southern like conservative state, we have like these small towns where Islam or hijabis don't exist. There's like not one, this person has not seen a hijab in their lifetime. And so you'll get like these stairs, you know, like walking into uh, places like, let's say Texas Roadhouse. You know, I like Texas Roadhouse, but like the stairs, it's so sad to me that like, you know, I used to be so scared of it. Like, so I would say like maybe, I wouldn't say intimidated, um, but like Like they would stay. Yeah. Like they would stare at you gaze at you for like long periods of time and it's like like they will make you feel uncomfortable so it's like I mean I've I've it's sad because like I've gotten used to it but it's like the more you know maybe that's the I'm the first hijabi that they've seen in their lifetime so that can like open up to maybe like new questions or, or having conversations so I mean, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, but you know, like I said, in, in different environments, people have different um, experiences. Yeah. Um, so, kind of going to my favorite part of this episode, which we're talking about the, the hijab. So, you've described the hijab to be among the favorite the most favorite things about yourself. And you particularly said 
My experience with the hijab has been different from others that I have met, particularly reverts, because I put on the hijab so quickly. Can you explain that more? Yeah. So for me, like wearing the hijab was something I was more than excited to do. Um, it was, like I said earlier, it wasn't a, it wasn't an inner battle for me. It was basically like, as soon as I figured it out, I was like, all right, bet. I'm aware of this every day for the rest of my life. No sweat type of deal. Um, obviously I still have like issues with like proper hijab. Like sometimes I might wear makeup and those sorts of things. But in terms of like wearing the hijab, I feel like I hear a lot of narrative of it's difficult of people who are like unsure about wearing it and they might have reservations about wearing it that I did not have. Other people had reservations for me I did not have a single reservation for myself. I was like... When you say other people, is that like other Muslim hijabis? Yeah, other Muslim hijabis, other non-Muslim people, other Muslim people who didn't wear hijab. Like, kind of like every group was like, are you sure? You don't have to do... And it was like, what surprised me is was people saying like, you don't have to do it. Like, it's not right now. And Mm -hmm. that a little bit rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, first of all, yes, I do have to do this um it's 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 a requirement upon me but even outside of that I'm not like trust me when I say I'm not rushing myself if I was like trust me when I say if I could have worn this like three months ago if I was aware I probably would have you know and I grew up and here but here's the thing it was a very significant change for me and and as it is for everybody like I said I grew up non-Muslim I was actually on the cheer team for my school um, prior to being Muslim. So, and you know, I was, I'm a girl who grew up in the West. I participated in all parts of Western life and those sorts of things, going out, concerts, those. uh, And so like, that was my closet. And so I guess the biggest difficulty was trying to turn my closet, which was not modest by anybody's standards into proper for hijab and into like um I'm actually still getting rid of clothes that I had before because it was just like there's nothing I can do with these clothes now for myself except for give them away because I can't wear them um and I won't I guess I don't don't want to say I can't I won't wear them because it's a choice But so I see a lot of like people struggling with this. And for me, it's like among the most beautiful things that I could be doing. And it's like among the most beautiful thing that I could be wearing. Like it, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. If I don't have like a hijab on top of it, I don't feel like the outfit's complete. I don't feel like, um, yeah, like it's just, it's not the vibe. Also, it does not hurt that it's like less hair maintenance. Oh, yeah. Save 15, uh, 15, 20 minutes every morning. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Um, but I just, I love my hijab so much. Like, it's something that I would never, ever, ever want to take off. And it's kind of nice because then I like to do cute little hairstyles. Like, I'll do for myself, like, mm-hmm. cute little buns with, like, twists and everything mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um that I like wear out around the house, around my family. And then I like to do that and then cover it and put on my hijab because I feel beautiful because I know, first of all, my hair is cute. Not that anybody could see it, but my, my hair is cute for myself. And then it's covered, which makes me feel like more special because it's like my hair is cute, but you can't see it, which I don't know if it's like the right way to think about it. Well, I, I think there's like both sides. It's like, there's some people that see it as like, you know, for, for lack of better words, like essentially a tease, you know, like just show it to me, just take it off, which is wrong, you know? And then there's people where it's like, um, okay, well calm down. First of all, I wear it for myself. You know, you don't have to please anyone else except yourself. And you're allowed to like, you know, feel that way. And I think hair care is, is, is very important when wearing the hijab too. Yeah. And I wouldn't say how I think is like more of a tease. It's more of like yeah. to myself. It's like, 
Mm, I know my hair is for cute. lack of better words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also think like that I wear it for myself is like such a big thing about it. Mm-hmm. It's and, and like because people always talk about like I've heard so many people say like my body, my choice, right? And I hear my body, my choice when it's where which as little as you want, my body, my choice, where it comes to birth control or any of those sorts of things. But what's interesting is one of my cat just opened my door. Give me one second. <laughs> what's interesting is it's the only time I haven't gotten the the typical narrative about my body, my choice is when I decided to wear hijab. And I decided to wear hijab. I had people who were concerned and they were like, like, and they would bring up like what's happening with uh, girls in Afghanistan being forced to wear it. And I'm like, or Iran. Or Iran, yeah. Or just being forced to wear it, right? And it's like, okay, so if we can agree that forcing somebody to wear it is a bad thing, why can't we agree that forcing somebody to not wear it? is also a bad thing because it's not about what you're wearing. It's about people trying to control what you're wearing. I'm choosing to wear this. So it's still my body, my choice. If you want to go that route. Oh, definitely. And if they want to go deeper in that route, I mean, here in the West, they capitalize off of women's bodies. It's like you say, my body, my choice, uh, ma'am there are corporations making money it's like you make a living off of showing your body i'm not shaming any woman or anybody you look good feel good but it's like for me you know i do that for myself i don't need men you know in america or corporations people in america to capitalize off of that in the name of my body my choice my freedom um and you know it, it should go both ways like why am I over here? You're trying to make me feel guilty for choosing not to be capitalized off of my body. Like it just doesn't make sense. And anyone can do it, honey. Anybody can do it, but not everyone chooses to do that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, that, that that's what I have to say about that. So, and it's also like ridiculously difficult. Like, I don't know to me. Yeah. It is absolutely insane how difficult it is to find and purchase like hijab standard modest clothes. I'm gonna and I'm specifically saying like hijab standard that are affordable. Find, they, that there are, are there are they, they exist but like thousand oh dollars. All I'm looking for is a regular crew neck, long sleeve crew neck. That's all I need. That's all I need. I don't want cuts on it i don't want it to be a crop top i don't want it to have weird designs give me a plain long sleeve shirt or long sleeve dress that's crew neck yes for some reason that's that's like an extremely difficult ask yeah and i think you know some muslim women in hijabis have like recognized that issue and went on to create kind of clothing brands that address that issue in modesty but i think we've kind of yet to have figured out, you know, on a large scale, how to have them on the market, you know, more affordable, you know, to hijabis. It's like still kind of capitalizing off of the struggle of hijabis. I think it's like very wrong. Um, But, you know, on the topic of the hijab, you mentioned how surprisingly, you know, dressing in modesty changes so many things in your life not only do people start treating you differently in both good and bad ways, you start to see yourself differently and it becomes easier to hold yourself to, to a higher standard. And I, I agree with that. So why, why do you think that that's kind of changed? Like in, in dressing differently, you kind of started to see yourself, to hold yourself to kind of higher standards. Why do you think so? Um, well, one, like, like I said, I'm very aware that I'm a representation of Islam when I'm wearing hijab and Islam for me is like, it's priority number one. Like there's everything comes after Islam. And that's, that's like a whole different conversation. That's something that people who aren't Muslim, they don't get that at all. 
Mm-hmm. But Islam for me is priority number one. I would have nothing if not for us. I mean, I would have nothing if not for Allah. Um, but, you know, by being Muslim and by following Islam, I am doing the best I can to be worthy of everything that Allah has given me. Um, so I don't want to do anything that's going to detract or make people think of Islam in a negative way, or even to make people think that like, I don't, this might be like, I don't want to quote unquote, like dilute the faith. So I don't want people to see me doing something that is not within the bounds Mm -hmm. of Islam and being Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, she's wearing hijab and she's doing this. So that must mean it's okay in Islam. Like I want to be a good example for others. So that's like even in the public sphere. And that's like when I'm out publicly wearing it. But even for myself, being aware of it when I'm in public, it really got my mind used to thinking about these things, especially like when I'm in private, because now I'm afraid I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I don't want to like go and have this entire persona outside and then come inside and like do all these things. So now I'm now I'm scared for myself and my hereafter. I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard that I feel I need to be at. And so that's kind of like one way in which the hijab has like helped me hold myself to a higher standard. Yeah. Do you think there's pressure that, that comes with that? There's, there's pressure that comes from me for that because I'm like the kind of person where I don't want to do something if I'm not doing it well. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't like doing things I'm not good at. And so I'm going to like do my best to be good at Islam, at submitting to Allah. So there's internal pressure, um, but I wouldn't say that it's like coming from anyone specifically. I see. Yeah. I mean, it can kind of serve as like a motivating factor for yourself of like remembering that you wear it and then holding yourself to that standard. And it just continues to, I think, make you a better human being, you know, yeah, day by day. Can you share with us how your experiences and interactions with others have evolved before and after wearing the hijab? And, you know, I'm curious to understand why you might feel it might have been more manageable to uphold certain principles and standards as a Muslim, especially in comparison to your earlier upbringing in a Catholic and Baptist background. So I'm going to answer the second part of the question first, um, just because it it is related to the rest of the question. Um, But you specifically asked like how like wearing hijab would make it more like would help me to uphold like the standards of Islam better um, than before. And so I've like two kind of stories that kind of come in with that. And so we know that um, like charity and being generous is like a requirement for Islam. We have to like pay our zakat, but also just in general, we should be generous people, right? Specifically because I wear hijab, I've had people who come up to me and they say, hello, sister. And then they ask for like whatever help that they may need. Specifically because I'm wearing hijab, these people are coming up to me because they understand that it's part of Islam to be generous and to help people out those who are in need. And so already that's like an example of like the hijab being a way in which I am like the hijab being a reason that I am better to, that I'm able to more better exemplify what Islam is supposed to be and to practice Islam in a better way. But because because these people are coming up to me asking for me to be generous with them because they see that I'm wearing hijab. So they have that understanding of Islam, of generosity. And that's like a way in which they do it because that's, I mean, I've had people like people who are homeless who come and they ask for whatever they need, but like my whole life, just because if you live in an area where there's homeless people, that's just going to happen. But when I wear hijab, like these people are coming to me, not just it's, it's, I don't know. It's like a little different. It's not just someone who's like, hello, like, can I have some cash? It's more of like, it's one, it's a more personable um, sort of conversation 
to know that they're coming to me because I'm wearing hijab and how I very much look at it is as Allah is providing for these people through me especially when people are coming up to me because I'm wearing hijab and they've like said as such to me they're like oh I know that Muslims like donate and whatnot so that's why I'm coming up to you and so like Allah is providing for these people through me and through like me wearing hijab these people are finding me and that like that gives a better image of Islam for other people who are non-Muslims and that also like I love being a beacon like I love being like physically like people can look to me and to see and think that they can get help from me I love that that people have that perception of hijabis and I want to do everything I can to maintain that perception because that's like who I am in my heart. I will help anybody who comes to me with help or who needs help. So that this hijab is like almost like a beacon of you can come to me and I will help you is one of like my favorite parts about Islam, about not Islam, but about the hijab. And then in terms of how my interactions have changed with people from before and after, I actually did an experiment about this, a kind of experiment um, where one, this I did the experiment before I was wearing hijab full time. So in like that August before January type of thing. Um, at the time I was living in Baltimore and I think like location has a, a big thing to do with it. But people are like, chivalry is dead. Chivalry is not dead if you're wearing hijab because the amount of times that like I could not, I could, there's literally every time I go to a gas station, I don't open the door myself. And it's not me being like waiting wow. for someone to open the door, but yeah. like, like these people are opening the door. Wait, you're me. saying like, you're saying like with the hijab, people will become more. Like they're just so much more chivalent. What is the word? Chivalent? Chivalrous. Chivalrous. Do you yeah, think like, that? Um, that has been my. Cause I, yeah. Cause I feel that way too. I just didn't know kind of that you know it was a thing like to put in words like you kind of just like I guess hijabis like collectively feel it I guess it's like a sense of respect yeah you know like definitely that comes with it it's crazy people are like way more respectful to me and now that this is about men but specifically men are like super respectful they open the door I had um, so I'm back down in Richmond, which isn't as south as Texas. I'll give it that, but it is, it's got its southern qualities. Um, I had someone who's wearing like a cowboy hat, like tip his hat for me. I've never seen that except in movies. <laughs> Wait, you, you, in, in Virginia. In Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen that happen. Because if you said that was Texas, I, I, I wouldn't believe you. Because yeah, that, that definitely happened. Yeah. But like, and like, just, there's a lot more respect and mm -hmm. there's like, because I don't like setting boundaries with people because I feel like, and this, this is a me thing. I, I don't like being mean to people. So if I feel like I'm being mean, I don't like to do it, but it's like hijab has boundaries in place mm -hmm. that I don't need to set. Like, I don't need to tell you that mm. as a man, like, I'm not going to hug you if yeah. you're a guy. I don't look at what I'm wearing and you probably know I'm not going to do that. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 it's crazy because, you know, like you said, yeah, like the hijab outwardly, it comes with boundaries. But in, in my experience, I'm like, sometimes people here, you know, with the non like hijabi or Muslim background, they still don't really understand or see that boundary. Like I've been offered alcohol. I've been offered, you know, alcohol multiple times, like just assuming like, yeah, we're going to go to bars. We're going to bar. Hop. Like I have, I had a friend tell me, let's go bar hopping. That's crazy. You know? That's crazy. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm like the only hijabi that like experienced that or if it's like a Texas thing or, you know, if you have like American friends, like, yeah, the hijab, like it can display a sense of boundaries, but it's also like in my experience, not to also assume that everybody's going to understand that boundary. So sometimes you have to like state it, you know, state, state it from the beginning. So you don't, you know, you go riding in the car with your friend and you end up at a bar 
and it's like you know too late so it's like in my experience it's like like you said that it states the boundaries but sometimes you have to like outwardly um state that yeah that is true that you do like especially like with handshaking that's my mm-hmm. experience like I'm but I usually by the time I go like this people are like oh you're probably not gonna shake <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in in, in my community, like, uh, you know, I, yes, Texas is like conservative, but like in, in my specific city, you know, it's it's still very diverse. And even my university is super diverse. I, I jokingly call it hijabi university because mm-hmm. I genuinely see like so many hijabis like everywhere I turn and where I go, which is like amazing to kind of like be in that environment have that environment of like also living in america living in the west but still have a lot of people that look like me and are muslim and are hijabis and i think that's you know really puts me at an advantage um of, of, about like hijab in, in the western experience and so you know but of course still having like empathy of like not all people have those communities and, and outlets to be able to fully express themselves as as hijabis yeah so when I um actually reverted I was living in Maryland around Baltimore and so there's quite a few Muslims there and so I feel like the pockets of Texas from what I've heard about Texas the pockets of Texas that have a lot of Muslims are like higher in population than on the east coast mm, actually I'm gonna take that back because I think New York is pretty pretty heavy there um, is a lot in new york there's yeah. a lot in new york but in for example in virginia where i'm at now there's like at my school there's like a couple hijabis like mm-hmm. maybe three. Oh yeah yeah i mean like this specific high school that that i went to it was still like hijabi high school muslim high school but i've also had hijabi friends that went to a different high school that experience their experience was very different in that they were like the only hijabi you know at that high school so it definitely differs from like city to city i I guess zip code to zip code um and kind of seeing those differences is like very interesting yeah it is it's it's really interesting right now like I said, I'm not like the only hijabi, but I'm like mm-hmm. one of a few. And because I go to a different school for events and like to get in contact with other Muslims, it doesn't bother me so much. And I kind of like it in the sense of people ask me questions about Islam mm-hmm. at my school. Like I had a student like come up and just ask me, she was like, oh, I mean, she asked me about hijab specifically. She's like, why do you wear it? Um are you forced to wear those sorts of things kind of like Mm -hmm. the stereotypes which like yes those are stereotypical questions and those are like not good assumptions to have but I don't mind answering those questions because it's not her fault that that's what she thinks about Islam somebody taught Mm -hmm. that to her so Mm -hmm. I have no problem dispelling that myth that people have yeah um but it's also difficult to be like the only like or one of a few hijabis because then yeah. it's like you're the spokesperson you're, you're the like spokesperson. the the news anchor for that school yeah yeah so so that can be kind of difficult well thank you for joining me today Kira this was I think an amazing conversation that we had that I specifically learned so much about that I didn't know about reverts and wearing the hijab for the first time and I think that the insight that you had was so valuable and important. And I I just love to hear what you had to say about your own personal journey. And I hope that our listeners can, can feel the same way too, but I do want to ask if Mm -hmm. there's anything else that um, maybe I didn't ask that you wanted to, to answer. Um like any question that maybe I didn't mention that you wanted to like discuss on here? Well, I do want to touch on one thing very quickly. Uh, This goes out to like people who specifically are like reverts or like nervous with their parents. Um, Like I said, I reverted in August. I didn't start wearing hijab full time in January. Now that January is also when I told my parents that I was Muslim to begin with. So like they got 
full-time hijab and then a Muslim at the same time. I was terrified. But the what you think your parents' reaction is going to be 95% of the time is not what your parent is way worse than what your parents' reaction actually is going to be. Mm. And so like for me, I guess message to reverts don't necessarily be a that super, unless it's like a legitimate danger to your life because I know sometimes it can get like that for some people, which is very unfortunate. But that is, I recognize that that is the case sometimes. But if your parents are like generally like you get along with your parents, I promise you they're not going to be as mad as you think that they are going to be. Because my parents were surprisingly, I was very surprised at how like very chill they were. I was surprised when you wrote, when you mentioned that I was surprised because like, you know, in my experience, like uh, maybe having like revert friends or or people talk about the story, not always was their family's response, like accepting or understanding of, of that decision. And I've heard a lot of reverts, you know, having to maybe leave the house or, just feeling uh, odd or that they really like just have to like hide themselves. I think m- maybe that's just what's really portrayed more than the the positive side. So I guess it really just depends on like the family that, that you have, but I think it's great that, you know, that that was your experience and that we get to share, you know, this, this positive experience um, with people to know that it's not always negative. And like you said, of, of being nervous to, to mention it. If it's like something that you're so sure about and it's like in your heart and you've done your research and you just like feel it, you know, like forever, like this is just truly who you are. You know, I think that it would be sad for your, for your family not to like accept that. And, you know, if they don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what you would do. Um, in that situation, but there's definitely resources um, with mosques and, and people that I think will always support you on that journey. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh, I got a shout out my masjid because they've been awesome. They like- What's your masjid? Um, right now I go to, it's the Muslim Community Center of Chesterfield. In Virginia. Is, yeah, it's in Virginia, but they've been amazing. Also, Islamic Society of Baltimore, that's where I took my Shahada and where I spent the first until I moved back home. Lots of events, super, super helpful. Amazing community there. A huge community there. They've got like yeah, massive community, but yeah, people, like I was so nervous to tell my parents, especially my grandparents who are like devout Catholic. They went to Catholic school growing up. My grandmother's brother is a priest. I was terrified to tell them. But they were literally like, oh, good for you. But I think also it's it's an understanding that like, like they're Catholics, but like they, they have an understanding of like, it's the same God. It's that yeah. we're supposed, like it's the same rules, it's the same God. They just don't have an understanding of what Islam, mm-hmm. all of it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kira, I think that I can definitely talk to you about this in a second or third episode there's like a lot to to discuss so hopefully we'll just continue um this conversation moving forward and i want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your story thank you so much for having me on it was so nice talking to you want to get a chiseled look in the jawline sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from juvederm volux xc juvederm volux xc is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thanks for reaching the end of the episode. We hope you learned something new about the woman who wear the hijab. You can watch the recorded video of this episode on YouTube at Journal Hijabi. And be sure to follow our Instagram at Journal Hijabi to stay updated on all things hijabi and help spread our stories. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi.